the, the feedback I'm getting from the users themselves is they they, they find these technologies uh, are just augmenting them. They are, it's augmenting their creativity. It's making them go faster, further away. So they, they, they love it. And if you are, you know, have you seen that, that research saying if you are, the smarter you are, the better result you get out of ChatGPT. I think the same applies for images. The oh. more creative you are, then you're going to get an even higher level of creativity. And yes, you can pretend being an artist, even though you're not one, you're not trained as a game artist. You can pretend being one with this, or you can approach being one with this. But if you're a good game artist, you're going to be an even better game artist with AI. This Week in Startups is brought to you by Vanta. Compliance and security shouldn't be a deal breaker for startups to win new business. Vanta makes it easy for companies to get a SOC 2 report fast. Twist listeners can get $1,000 off for a limited time at vanta.com slash twist. House of Macadamias is the next big health trend. Get 20% off your first purchase and a free bottle of cold-pressed macadamia oil at houseofmacadamias.com slash twist by using code TWIST20. And Crowdbotics. Great ideas can change the world, and Crowdbotics is the fastest way to turn those ideas into code. Get a free scoping session for your next big app idea at crowdbotics.com slash twist. All right, everybody, welcome back to This Week in Startups. I've never been more excited about a technology, at least since the internet and the PC, than I am with artificial intelligence and the pace at which it's evolving. And here at This Week in Startups, we are all over this trend. You can join our Substack. You can subscribe to the podcast. Go to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash thisweekend, and you're going to see a constant stream every week. You're going to see five or 10 of these amazing demos of what is being built in the AI space. Scenario is the startup today. They're using generative AI to create and produce creative assets for the video game industry. And the CEO and co-founder is Emmanuel Di Mastre. Uh, welcome to the show, Emmanuel. Hey, Jason. Thanks. Glad to be here. All right. So um, we know the video game industry. We know the assets take a long time and are very expensive to produce. Tier one, or they call them tier one games or title one games. Uh, those are the ones AAA that cost. Games. What do they call them? Triple A. Triple triple a so triple a games those are hundreds of millions of dollars that's call of duty and then you have apps on your phone that might cost a million dollars to make or five million dollars to make what are those clash of clan angry birds games tend to cost do you know well, what those cost could could be could be from uh, like a few hundred k to uh, uh dozens of millions actually if you look at uh, uh, even like angry birds and so on your phone is pretty expensive um, and it's not just the cost, it's, uh, it's, it takes a while and it's, it's risky. And those are double A games or what do they call those? Uh, double A games are typically PC games, console games, but not like ah. Call of Duty uh, level. Got it. Then you, mobile is a category uh, apart and then you have uh, all, all the new Web3 games wave. Ah, yeah. With, with so at a minimum, hundreds of thousands of dollars, on average millions of dollars, and sometimes even tens of millions to hundreds of millions of dollars. And a big part of that is creating these creative assets. There are thousands of designers, you know, uh, working on some of these games, I understand, or at least hundreds of them working on a single title. Is that correct? Designers, um, game designers, product designers, art directors, technical directors, technical artists. It's a whole crew. It's a, uh, yeah, it's big. It's big. Okay. And so you're going to use generative AI, which is to generate 
images um, through typically text prompts, I'm guessing, but you tell me and let's just do a demo here. I know you have an incredible demo, so let's see it. I definitely can switch to a demo. Let's uh, share yeah, my screen right now. Yeah, always great show, don't tell. Okay, so here we go. Here we I go. I see you're in an editor of some kind. I'm, uh, I'm on the web. Uh, it's, a web uh, it's a web browser. It's Chrome. Okay. Uh, and the website is app.scenario.com. Pretty easy. Great. Um, what you see here is my, my homepage with some of the images I was making just before the, mm -hmm. before the show. Oh, great. Uh, definitely like, like gaming related. I'm like trying to, uh, you know, iterate around some concept around a treasure chest that I'm trying to produce oh. and, um, look how consistent these uh, images are, uh, in shapes and proportions and only the color is being, is being changed. And we are not in Photoshop at all. I'm prompting the color, I'm prompting the shape and I'm prompting the um, the proportions of the, so of show the image. Us, show us how that works. Yeah, so you're showing like a, what they think they call in the industry a loot box or a treasure chest. You might find this treasure chest in a game. Uh, how yep. did you prompt it? What did you type in to get that unique looking treasure chest? I was, I'm going to, I'm going to show you, but before we do yeah. so, please, please understand these uh, treasure chests came from what we call a generator, uh, which is a custom trained AI model with okay. people's data. So instead of using a very horizontal model, such as Midjourney, Dali, Stable Diffusion, we do let people make their own custom model with their data. And that's what they love uh, because when, go ahead, I mean, when well, they do so. Well, I was so, going to say, so if I'm Call of Duty and I've, I'm on the fifth or sixth Call of Duty in the series where I'm Angry Birds making or Plants vs. Zombies, I could upload all the artwork in every previous iteration of the game and be starting on third base. You could upload all of it, or you could pick the, the, the certain portion of the games that you want to train a model on, such as characters, backgrounds, vehicles, and so on. So in that case, we have awesome. chest. You know what, what I can do before uh, going into the chest one? I can show you another, even more uh, relevant generator, uh, which, uh, which is something custom we've made for a demo, which is called Bubbleverse. So the Bubbleverse is a potential game made okay. with that art. So lo look at the rendering the the colors we're looking the, at the, a the bunch of beautiful 3d rendered you know looks almost like i uh, forgot the name of that uh, famous director wes anderson these are wes anderson beautiful colors slightly japanese inspired perhaps uh beautiful um 3d models of bubbly type characters and uh, cars and vehicles and trees and homes and everything so you only needed 25 images to upload into here to generate this. These might have been done by a human who made a collection of 25 bubbly images. Absolutely. And now let's start prompting. Let's start creating from the same style. And so oh. Jason, give me an idea of a, a sure. let, let's say a vehicle or let's say maybe a, a, a background. How about a hamburger? A oh, How let's do a hamburger. So let's do a hamburger. Yep. Yeah, hamburger. Well, that's yeah. very easy. So you see, I just typed hamburger on the, yep. on the left uh, and now it generates. We're going to wait probably between 10 to 20 seconds for the images to, to generate. It's GPU-based, cloud-based. But why do we do so? When I, what should the hamburger look like? It's pretty basic, right? So do you have like, any, uh, let's any make specific the hamburger, feature? Um, let's make the hamburger be uh, um, uh, on a bed of uh, flowers. And um, okay. make it the color uh, green. Cool. So here is a green hamburger on a bed of flowers. I'm just prompting. Yep. It generates. That's crazy. Uh, but before, 
Yeah. yeah. Before we, we wait for your green hamburger to yep. show up, uh, let's look at your first uh, session, your first uh, Amazing. batch. So that's the first one. Second one, third one. Hey, people, are, oh, by the way, this is like a character mixed with a hamburger, which, which happens Perfect. sometimes. So, and for people who are listening, for people who are listening, what you're seeing is instantly something that I would say is game ready. Just in my professional opinion, if I was playing a casual game and it threw up a hamburger, any of these hamburgers would be acceptable to me as a, a legitimate item. And it was created for free. For now, um, and look at the the, the style of the hamburger is definitely it's not photorealistic. It is not voxelized. It is in the style of your of, of the person mm -hmm. generator. And so I did not need to go into describing all the visual feature. Uh, have you seen prompt engineering? Like people sure. go to like fifty words, and it's super complex. Yes, in that you didn't case, have to say do this in a Wes Anderson style with a color palette that includes these colors. That is. Uh, you know, uh, got depth and shadows or whatever. And then we did green hamburger and here are the green hamburgers and they subtly so made the bun green and they put some lettuce around it and all kinds of fun options that it just decided to make. Yeah. And so in your case, we do have your green hamburger. We do not have the bed of flowers though, which, which again could be expected. So on the, again, on the, on the left side of the screen for those who are on the, on the, on the audio, we have a bunch of settings and parameters to play with. Okay. Such as guidance. And if I increase okay. the guidance a bit and run another generation, it should <laughs> emphasize, it should um, increase the weight of the prompt. And so it's ah. all about giving artists, mostly artists, game artists, giving artists the right tools, the right levers so they can control the AI and stop ran randomly prompting forever and ever on Discord and, and, and some, uh, in some, some platforms. We, the, the game studio we work with, they want to get their image in the least amount of time. They want, to have, they want it to be very efficient. Production has to be efficient. Uh -huh. And so that's what Scenario is about. Like, like stop uh, exploring AI forever, train your own model that will drive consistency, and then play with the settings until you, you nail your uh, designs and so on. There we go. It's and what's coming. great about this is you're really augmenting an artist's work. So instead of an artist having to tediously make, let's call it 500 objects for this game, this bubble game, and then every week update it with, let's say they come up with 10 new characters, devices, and, or 50, that would be 50 times 50 weeks, uh, 2,500 more. So you'd have 3,000 objects in this game. You could have an artist just make um, 25 test images, and then somebody else, a game designer, so can just with their judgment, do everything from there. So you really just need a, a somebody to start you out with a design style, and then you're home free from there, correct? Correct, correct. And the, okay. the, out of the 40,000 users that we have so far on the platform, the champions are artists, game artists. Um, ah. And if you remember the, the controversy around artists and AI, I found that very interesting that actually the biggest champion for that type of technology end up being the artists themselves. All right, founders, if you're a SaaS or services company that stores customer data in the cloud, you need to be SOC 2 compliant from third parties in order to close big deals. And you need to use Vanta if you want to do this quickly and easily. Vanta makes it so easy for you to get and renew your SOC 2. On average, Vanta customers are SOC 2 compliant in just two to four weeks. Compare that to three to five months without Vanta. Well, 
They partner with over two dozen audit firms, and they have been trained to file those SOC 2 reports directly within Vanta. It's a total no-brainer for you. You're going to basically make it easier for your sales team to sell those big clients who need that SOC 2 compliance in order to engage with your product. Tons of my portfolio founders use and love Vanta. Uh, they all report back that they had an amazing experience. And that one, that one major customer, right? That Lighthouse customer, that whale in your system. Listen, bottom line, you can't afford to lose sales for something silly like not having your SOC 2. Vanta also helps with GDPR compliance. And, you know, that's a big one. You got to get your GDPR in order because they take it pretty seriously over there. So here's the best part. Vanta wants to give you a thousand. All right, that's 10 hundies. Get $1,000 off at vanta.com slash twist. That's vanta.com slash twist for $1,000 off your SOC 2. Um, are any of your 40,000 users using this in production yet? And if they are using it in production, what is the distance between uh, what has to happen between you making this bubbly green hamburger on a bed of lettuce and it getting into the game? How much more artistic work has to occur? So it, 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 they're definitely using it in production today. Not mm -hmm. only they use it in production to make the game assets, but some games have this part of the game where the, the, the creator of the object is not just the artist, it's the player. The player gets to, in-game, generate whatever reward, weapons, skins, buildings, I mean, depending on the, ah. of course, the, the, the theme of the game. And that's you, it's AI-powered UGC. Amazing. So if you were to clear out all these prompts we did and we just said, do um, a zombie um, teenager um, wearing um, a football jersey, um, this could be if I was playing a zombie game, I could say, okay, well, I'm a football player and I'm a teenager. I'd like to make my own character and it would make a bubbly designed zombie teenager with a football jersey on. I'm doing it right now. So yeah. I first made a, a batch uh, of your prompt, which was zombie uh -huh. teenager wearing a football jersey. Then because I know a bit about it, I, I prompted 3D rendered, full body, and then I'm going to do apocalyptic huh? just to give some more, uh, you know, color. Um, huh. And I'm going to add like maybe blood. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, sure. And then run another. Uh, yeah, why not? And then, so the yes, language model knows what a zombie is. It knows what a teenager is. It has some conception of these things from the real world. It matches it with the style. But even beyond a designer doing this, the game could, uh, a game player could decide uh, to add some characters or make a level themselves. Or I suppose you could have a random generator that just looks at, uh, just looks at common objects in the world and just makes random objects and if people engage with them it could make more of them so you could actually have a game yes. where it just randomly types in zombie hamburger football jersey and you get yeah. whatever out of it and this could create infinite universes with infinite characters yes so here's the, the zombie coming for those who are listening uh, what we see is blurry pictures at the beginning very noisy yep. pictures that's what diffusion is about. You add noise and you remove noise. That's the, the that's where diffusion comes from in stable diffusion, typically. So um, definitely very very consistent uh, zombies coming up with a jersey, uh -huh. uh, jersey with a uh, number on jersey. it. Yeah. Number on it. So let's pick one of them, Jason. Which one would you like? Uh, maybe the eighteen. Oh, number eighteen one? looks great. A number yeah, eighteen. The third, yeah, so number eighteen looks great. Eighteen. Um, we're going to do variants around 18. Uh, mm -hmm. The only issue in that case, maybe, maybe let's Cut pick the, the, the next one because we, yes, sure. 
So let's do the this one here. Yeah, great. And because we love it, I just do refine. And now <laughs> I'm going to not only prompt the same phrase, but I'm going to iterate around that image. Um, ah. And I'm going to do image to image and with variants will be created uh, around the same uh, shape of proportions. And I'm not going to go into like the tiny details, but something super cool just came out, which is comp composition control that lets you uh, play again with the, the sort of uh, input you want from that image. And we're going to have the results in a few uh, in a few minutes or in a few seconds, actually. How much CPU and cloud is this taking? Um, we, we know these are resource intensive. So as you're doing this, you seem to be creating four images at a time. Um, these are really good looking images. So how much CPU is this using? If I, could I be doing this on my local MacBook or is it using 10 MacBooks in the you cloud? Could not. No, it's a AWS uh, based uh, infrastructure. It's pretty, pretty uh, GPU and, and server intensive. Uh, I think we've spent uh, more than 250k just in GPUs, just for the beta, just in a few months. And we your should company has bought 250,000 in these uh, GPUs dedicated on servers. So um, you have that as a fixed cost, and there's a certain number of images that create uh, could create at a certain standard. If you were divide those number of images into that cost, does it wind up being a dollar per image, ten cents per image, a penny per image, or a fraction of a penny it's per more image? It's more of a it's more of a penny to a fraction of a penny. Though, uh, depending on the settings, uh, you might end up with images that are pretty expensive. If you go into like more steps and more, uh, yeah. um, uh, you know, advanced uh, parameters and higher resolution images, you can go into uh, uh, you know uh, maybe up to like a fraction of a dollar per image. Um, oh wow! You could be spending ten cents or twenty five cents an image. This is an extraordinary thing because we've lived in such a deflationary Moore's law. We didn't know what we would do with all these CPUs. We thought. CPUs and GPUs and storage was getting so plentiful that we had no use for it because, hey, people can't even, you know, tell 4K from 1080p from 480p. Like if I showed the average user, they probably wouldn't know the difference. Whereas here, because we're doing generative AI and it has to do so much GPU work, this is actually using a lot of the GPUs in the world and it's going to be constrained for some time. Or is this... Um, Something you think software is. is going to become more refined and we're going to just have these costs plummet 90% a year. So costs will plummet, maybe not 90% a year right now. Definitely they will plummet. We have seen some demos of stability running on a phone. Ah. Maybe not the, not the type of advanced uh, calculations we do, but some, some, someday, yes, diffusion models will run on phones. Whether it's for text, uh, like GPT, you know, like uh, models, or whether it's for images, and one day, because it's not, it's not quite there yet, full like 3D models, it's coming. Uh. Um, especially when you make uh, 3D models right from the image you just generated. In that uh. case, we have the initial zombie uh, with the jersey, and then I made a few variants uh, without even touching the prompt. And from these variants, it's reasonable to think uh, 3D models will be made just in a click. And that's that's extreme, extremely uh, deflationary, as you just uh, as you just said. And you could take random prompts, where um, you could ask, you could train ChatGPT four, or just a language model. You could say, "Go look at, I don't know, Reddit or Twitter, find different characters or find inspiration from these locations." It could be a newspaper, it could be uh, YouTube videos. Let's assume you have permission. You could say look at the top trending characters or people or scenarios on this website. It could be an open source one. It could be like um, 500 pixels, right? You say go on 500 pixels and just start making me images uh, or characters 
uh, and just start building up crazy amounts of libraries. It's extraordinary uh, where we're at right now um, in terms of and, building and, stuff. And develop localized versions of games, develop seasons per, you know, holidays, Halloween, Christmas, news, memes, you know, uh, like this could be highly personalized. Any, anything that goes into the prompt box could be, uh, you know, plugged into other uh, pipelines. So this I will tell drop you, game the cost are, of making, yeah. this drops the cost games. of making a season of, let's say they're doing the Christmas season, the holiday season of Plants vs. Zombies. What did you guess a game like that would spend on that refresh in terms of time and money? That, and then how much would you reduce it by? I, I got the first uh, numbers from the, the first customers we have. Um, feedback is um, processes are 10x faster on average. Um, so they work 10x, fa 10x you know, faster. And for a you know, small studio of 20 people, which is rather small, it's not Riot or Blizzard, but for a small studio, they would typically save at least 200k a year using scenario just on concept arts, not even uh, in-game assets, just concepting will okay. save them 200k a year. Then you then go, you know, in-game assets and then come marketing assets, which is a big part uh, of the game industry as well. How to automate the marketing. Got it. So they like to make YouTube ads, TikTok ads, Twitter ads, whatever. All of those ads falls on the creatives. Now they could be making them without having creatives having to anoint every single one. So this is going to knock 20%, 30% off the cost of running one of these studios this year, you think? Uh, pro it, it's probably right, yes. Um, Mason? Probably right, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which means they could either save that money or they could do 30% more work and delight their customers 30% more, which is probably what they'll do. Um, this is extraordinary. Um, where will you be in one year? We go to other media uh, beyond 2D. Uh, we, we are expanding into 3D, making these uh, not just 2D images, but 3D models. Um, we integrate, as we are doing it right now, into the game engines, which is a good, good go-to market for us because that's where most of the game developers are. They're on Unity, they're on Unreal. They might want to do their, just this on Unity and Unreal. Um, obviously, we uh, improve everything around asset management, collaboration, you know, bring the whole studio together. Um, and um, there's a lot to do on the roadmap. Um, better, better trainings, by the way, better AI models, right. train faster, uh, more efficiently. So the fidelity will go way up. You'll be able to do 3D models, uh, which means like a Fortnite character could be made in here, maybe, um, and then actually just dropped into the game. Um, and so that's going to save yep. an, a massive amount of money and time. If you love snacking like I do, you got to find the perfect snack. It's not easy. You want one that's going to remove cravings that fit your dietary goals, regulates your blood glucose levels, and gotta be something you look forward to eating and you know what i love i love macadamia nuts mm, what a treat they got so many health benefits i'll give you the highlights right here they are the only nut that is rich in omega-7s that's linked to natural collagen production reducing inflammation stabilizing your glucose levels and healthy fat metabolism and the folks my friends at house of macadamias are obsessed with making the highest quality macadamia products available chocolate dipped macadamia nuts are my favorite but i also sometimes i get that coconut craving you ever get that they got a chocolate coconut macadamia bar that is amazing and it hits the spot it's not going to spike your glucose it's something healthy but it's a treat 
It's a treat. And they just launched an amazing cold press macadamia oil with a buttery flavor and a high smoking point. Perfect for drizzling over meals or cooking. Use the code TWIST20 to get 20% off. And for a limited time, they're giving a free bottle of premium cold pressed extra virgin macadamia oil with any purchase. Go to houseofmacadamias.com slash twist and use the code twist20. Houseofmacadamias.com slash twist and use that code twist20 so they know Cal sent you. There was one artist on Reddit. We read it on uh, All In previously and on This Week in Startups. Um, this artist was lamenting how... Mm. Um, you know, like this is taking a little bit of the art out of the game. And uh, he was kind of depressed that somebody who was an average uh, artist could now do his work. And now you have the ability for a prompt to do the work and eliminate their need to do the next 500 images. So they just have to do the 25. What's your response to those people who maybe are bummed out about this technology? The, the feedback I'm getting from the users themselves is they, they, they find this technology is a are just augmenting them. They are, it's augmenting their creativity. It's making them go faster, further away. So they, they, they love it. And if you are, you know, have you seen that, that research saying if you are, the smarter you are, the better result you get out of ChatGPT. I think the same applies for images. The oh. more creative you are, then you're going to get an even higher level of creativity. And yes, you can pretend being an artist, even though you're not one, you're not trained as a game artist. You can pretend being one with this or you can, approach being one with this but if you're a good game artist you're going to be an even better game artist with ai and it's yeah. not just push a button you know it's like prompting but like selecting the right models the right training parameters the right everything takes a while it's a new art it's a sure. new it's just a new photoshop um yeah and it, it will take years until people like go to the end of this this technology it's not just we had architects who were very upset about cad drawings and people using computers instead of using pencils and rulers and drafting desks and you know the the fact is we're able to design uh you know more beautiful homes more unique homes more unique spaces with cad and share them around the world um how many people in your company uh to get to this point how many developers did it take to get here and how much time we, we, we have 25 but we started as a team of six uh, back in october uh, went pretty fast to put the, the the beta out in December, and that's when we started growing. After we got some of the first uh, seed money in uh, in December, uh, huh. growing from six to twenty five in just three months, basically, um, mostly engineers so far. Got it. Any other applications for this? We hear a lot about hey, video games and Disney Plus and the Mandalorian and the Real Engine, and things are kind of converging. Do you see this at some point? Um, taking over and doing South Park episodes or, you know, uh, you know, Clone Wars episodes, Bad Batch episodes, you could start to create characters and then place them into what would eventually become TV shows because you're doing backgrounds, you're doing art. It doesn't take much to have people move around the backgrounds. It doesn't take much to add dialogue. And if you can make the characters, well, certainly you can make voices and there's other people who can do voices. So I'm curious. Where do you, is there a new place to go with this? Right now you're helping game studios, but this feels like a new art form could emerge from your tool itself. How yes, do you consider we, that? We, we have some, we have some edge cases uh, being, being, uh, being uh, used right now by a few, uh, a few of the users. Definitely movie, even though some other companies are much better, are doing movies with 10 AI, such as uh. Runway, such as Wonder Studio. 
mm-hmm. um, they're, 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 it's it's a slightly different sort of feature set to Got develop. Uh, but like marketing, you know, um, all kinds of like any industry that needs some images will be based on Gen AI or is going to be based on Gen AI significantly. Um, How do you charge for just, all this? We charge a subscription uh, per account, which goes from 1K to 40K a year, depending on the size of the studio, members, quotas, images. Uh, and we, we go into some enterprise custom pricing as well. Um, in addition to the SaaS model, we have an API-based model where people just go pay per API call, you know, depending on how much they use the API. Um, yeah, we just yeah. we just started this week to monetize actually. So oh really? So do you have a sales team doing yeah. it, or you just took these forty thousand people who are using the free product and just said, "Hey, you hit the upper limit, consumption based. You need to sign in and pay, put a credit card in." We we do we have a small sales team for uh, for the tier one, tier two customers, uh, like game studio of a certain size, uh, plus myself, one in Europe, one in the US. And we have a, we, we do have a customer success team as well. It's not just about you know signing; it's uh, making yeah. sure they they are doing a good job and they they're adopting it at scale. But it's um yeah, it's going well. It's, I'm super super bullish. I've, I've made a first company before, which I sold was good, but this one is going to be you know hundred x bigger. What was Trust the pre- you, previously you were in lidar? If I understand from my notes here, it was uh, aerial capture with drones, lidar and photogrammetry. Oh, so you were sending drones up with lidar on it to do what? Uh, um, all kinds of inspections, you know, mapping uh, oh. of buildings and uh, infrastructure, construction sites, and so on. We were not flying the drones. We were doing the software to process 2D and 3D ah. imagery at scale with AI in the cloud. So it's kind of a natural evolution. But instead of like scanning, we prompt. And that was a niche market, right? Like sending those drones up to do construction sites. It wasn't supposed to be niche when we started, according to, huh. uh, you know, BCG and McKinsey and so on. But the drone market didn't end up being that big. Um, what do you, you why know, do you think and, uh, the drone market didn't become that big? Didn't provide enough value to users? Oh, value was, value was enormous. It's more like regulation. And it's not that easy to fly a drone anywhere, anytime, uh. you know, with the, with the right uh, 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 material resolution and so on. Um, so remember the, the pilot Bezos, limitation yeah. and the regulations killed it. Yeah, you can only wait. You can only carry so much in a drone. Uh, You're never gonna see, you know, you know, 500 pounds drones flying tomorrow to 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 capture your your next construction site. Um, yeah, and let alone uh, let alone uh, the the transportation drones. You know, it's it's an amazing technology, but physics is physics. Regulations are regulations, and things in the air when they fall from the air can do damage. And I think that is, I think, one of the lessons people learned was. The utility of drones um, is based on weight and the utility is based on being in cities or populated areas in some cases like delivery. And uh, that's challenging uh, because people do have uh, the regulators seem to be very cautious uh, in the in the drone space. And here you don't have to deal with regulators. Um, you just have to deal with software and how much you can delay your now. customers. For now. For now. For now. Yes. Well, what do you think? Yeah, regulation you think that AI could be. I think uh, if you, I think it's there. Yeah, good. Well, I was going to say, um, if you, if there was a, a a place to start thinking about regulation, where would you, as somebody who's an insider, start to think about regulation? At, at what point in the stack? At one point in the code, the hardware, the application, the geography? Where would you even start with regulation? 
I think it starts with the training data. How do you how yeah. did you get it? Where did you get it from? How sure. did you select and uh, you curate the training data? Um, that that is uh, that is the the debate today around around ChatGPT and like what data has been used and how you know how do they control what comes out and what gets uh, you know um, um, uh, eliminated or uh, or um, uh, yeah um, just like what get what gets out and what gets blocked. Uh, the same will go for images. Stable Diffusion was trained on a very wide array of 5 billion images scrapped from the internet. Uh, people loved it, but a lot of legal teams find challenges around, like, do we have the right to generate commercial uh, images? With the answer this? is n clearly no. You cannot take Getty's images and make derivative works from it, especially if that infringes upon their ability to do the same business. At least here in the United States, that's how the law works. It's clear as day. There'll be tons of settlements. Which is why people use their own models and which is why Adobe released Firefly, which is ethically trained on, on images they have the right to use. And I uh, believe in a few months, every single, you know, Gen AI image generator will be trained on, on, the, on data that people will have the right to use at some, in, in some, in some, you know, at some point. Um, there's plenty yeah. of open source data out there. And if you wanted to train on Gettys, you should just ask them and pay them a fee and they might charge you a million dollars or they might charge you. You know, if there might be a photographer out there, or a group of photographers who own these, who just say, yeah, you can train your image generator for $1 per photo. And if you need a million images, great, that's a million dollars per year. There's some reasonable amount of money to be charged. So it could be a great income stream in the way streaming is for musicians. And income stream could be renting or leasing your generator instead of selling the final image, such as the final picture, the final photograph. Just rent a the use of your uh, model as an artist, yes. and it's like a, a much more like a much passive uh, income that could be interesting for them. It, it has to be um, that's developed and proven, yeah. but yeah, it's coming. Well, you could do it if you had somebody who put a collection in here, like this bubble collection. You could have an artist who builds that on spec, who's in college, and they say, "Here is my bubble collection. Anybody who wants to generate on top of it." Um, it's going to be, you know, $1 per exported image. And um, then they would know who paid that $1 per exported image. And they create those 25 images. And if 10,000 images are exported per year, that's $10,000. You as the platform take 30%. They take 70%. You made three. They made 7,000. That's a pretty fantastic business for a kid in art school who made 25 images that took, I don't know, 10 hours each. So... And that's money they would make forever. So it's, there's a reasonable trade of services here. Yep. And then, you know, and this happened you, in stock photography. Stock photographers were um, were villainized at some point because they were like, hey, you should send a photographer out to take a picture of the Golden Gate Bridge for $1,000. Uh, let them develop the film and they should pay, charge $1,000 or $2,000 for that image. You shouldn't let people buy a Golden Gate photo for $5 or $10. Yep. So the world advances, more people have access to this incredible content that's better for society. Sorry if people are, you know, I'm sorry that it's deflationary, but when things are deflationary, people can do more creative things, right? Yeah, and free, yeah, free time um, to, um, to, to do more. And um, if you want me to drop another, you know, buzzword, it could be also blockchain could be involved to uh, track these uh, flows of images across different owners uh which has not yeah. been done yet but it's a it's an, a good i think it's a good use case of blockchain uh that combined you know gen ai explain so how abundance. that might work yeah explain a, how that might work uh, you know 
Well, a generator might be uh, tied to some sort of smart contract. So any image that's, that is being made from that generator could be tied to the generator and then to the artist via some revenue share stream, um, you know, uh, written, coded into the contract. Um, or, I mean, like, look at Geni-AI, it's, it's, uh, it's the abundance, right? It's like millions and millions of images uh, being made and shared and content overall. You know, how to be able to track it via some sort of like a trusted ledger could be, could be interesting. I'm not saying we should all do it on like right now, and we are not even doing it, but with the Web3 people, the Web3 games that use Scenario, they're all about it. Incredible, yeah. You know, it, yeah. Mm. Well, this has been amazing. Continued success. Where's the company based? San Francisco. You know, this is like yeah. your, maybe the fourth AI company to come on who is basing in San Francisco. And it <laughs> yeah. does seem like there's a little, uh, you know, revitalization uh, in San Francisco of people yeah. putting their AI companies in the city itself, not in the surrounding area. So, hey, listen, continued success. And uh, we'll see you all next time on This Week in Startups. Bye-bye. Probably the most common challenge I hear from founders is related to building. Either they aren't technical and are searching for a technical co-founder, or they can code, but they're just spread too thin. This is one of the first major obstacles you're going to face, and I know how discouraging it can be. But there is a solution. Do you have a great idea, but you don't have a technical co-founder? Well, Crowdbotics can be your CTO as a service. Boom! Just like that. This means you can focus on building an awesome product and delighting your customers rather than wasting your time on infrastructure planning, architecture, compliance, and all that boring stuff. Crowdbotics also offers professional scoping to help you flesh out your project at the MVP stage and beyond. So cut out the hassle and get back to building that perfect product for your delighted customers. And when you think Crowdbotics, I want you to think getting your time back to focus on product. Product drives everything in a startup. So let the folks at Crowdbotics show you how it works Schedule a free scoping session and get your detailed build plan at crowdbotics.com slash twist. That's crowdbotics.com slash twist. Hey everyone, I'm Presh, and today we're going to walk through how to build no-code apps. So first, we're going to talk about why build no-code apps in the first place. We'll cover things like who is it for, and then we'll jump into some of the pros and cons. Uh, next, we'll talk about some of the best tools to use when building in no-code. And these are going to vary depending on what you want to build. So hopefully after watching this presentation, you'll have a better understanding of what no-code is capable of, and then you can get started on third base picking your platform. And lastly, we'll wrap on some of my favorite resources uh, in the no-code community um, to help you further your education. So let's get into it. So why build no-code apps in the first place? It's going to come down to two things. Um, so one, you're non-technical or non-technical yet. And two, you want to move quickly. Um, so for example, you have an idea and you want to put that idea in the marketplace as quickly as possible. Test and see if it's worth pursuing. Over the next couple of slides, I'm going to show you how before even building your product, you can utilize some cool tools to get to the third base of building your product. So using no-code tools to start this process of building your product might look like this. Step one, you get your idea. Step two, you might want to share that idea or validate it a bit. And this can be done by tweeting it, writing a blog post, or sharing it in a subreddit. Step three, you might want to start making a mock-up of your product with tools like Figma or Canva or Sketch. Uh, and I include design tools in no-code because they've really designed them so anyone can learn them quickly. Um, and they're just delightful and fun to use. That's step four. Okay, now your product mock-up is done. So it's time to build a simple landing page. And remember, the goal of this is to put something out there and see if there's interest of the product. So it's not mandatory to have a 
overly designed website. Um, so I use tools like Webflow or maybe even Notion, Squarespace, Card, step five. Okay, so now the website is up and we want to start capturing people who visit the site that might be interested in the product. So we can do this with a simple email capture tool. Um, and I like to use MailChimp in this case. Step six. And lastly, with the emails, we can now start funneling customers or potential customers into a community uh, with products like Slack or Discord or even Twitter. Keep the conversation going and keep your potential customers engaged. Now we're going to talk about the pros of no-code development. And I've narrowed it down to three things. Agile development, low to no maintenance, and cost efficiency. So in terms of being agile, you can put out an MVP as soon as you have the idea. And you just need to do it with one person, which is yourself. You don't need a whole team. Next, there's no maintenance. Uh, since you're building on top of platforms, um, and ideally big ones with big teams, uh, we're piggybacking our product on them. And so they manage the maintenance for you and, and updating everything. And lastly, it's cost effective to a point because uh, you don't need to hire developers, which are expensive. The other thing is you're dependent on the platform you build on. So if one day they wake up and decide to remove a feature that you use every day, um, you might be at a disadvantage there. And lastly, it can get expensive. Again, depending on if you're using multiple tools, you want to be thoughtful with the kinds of tools that you're using. Now we're going to talk about the tools you might want to use when building no-code apps and what's actually possible. Let's get into it. So to start, the first decision we need to make is what type of product do we want to build? Uh, do we want to build a simple website with a gated community slash paywalled content? Uh, or do we want to build a marketplace type of business similar to Airbnb, uh, where it's two-sided, you got a supply side, a demand side, and you want transactions to occur? Uh, or do we want to build a mobile application for maybe the App Store or the Play Store? Um, so there are tools for all of these examples, and we'll dive in deeper right now. Let's start with a simple subscription website or subscription business. These are three tools that will get you started, and you can build an entire business off the back end of this. So the first is Webflow, which is the visual no-code de uh, website designer that I mentioned earlier. And this is popular now because you can customize fully and they've got beautiful templates. The next is a tool called MemberStack. And what this allows you to do is allow your website to have a sign-up portal or dashboard and allow you to charge customers either one-time payment or a subscription model. Um, so really turning your website more into like an app uh, or community. And lastly is Zapier, which is an automations slash API tool that allow you to connect and talk to different applications. So you can have your Webflow website, talk to MemberStack, and you can do that through Zapier. So here I'm just on Webflow's template website, and you can see they've got beautiful designs here. I'm in one example called London, and I can buy this if I want to use it. But you can see, it looks like a very professional website here. Uh, it's got nice animations, nice colors, and this looks like, you know, it would cost tens of thousands of dollars to build, but you can replicate this with just a click of a button. Okay, now here we are on MemberStack. Again, MemberStack allows you to create like a sign-up portal and create a login for your users on your Webflow site. And so here you'll see this login portal. That's kind of an example of what it will look like. And then you've also got a pricing page. So that's, you know, if you want to charge or put up a paywall for some of your content, you can do that as well. Here's an example with one of our portfolio companies, Soul Savvy. And they initially started with just completely no-code tools. So you'll see their website. You, you can go in, you can sign up for the waitlist, or you can skip the waitlist and put your information and sign up. All of this can be done within Webflow and MemberStack. Lastly, on the subscription website stack, we have Zapier which is the king of automation and connecting different apps to talk to each other. So you'll see in the screenshot, they've got thousands of integrations uh, into all the main apps like Google Sheets, MailChimp, Calendar, Slack, Typeform, Stripe, and so on. So the main purpose for Zapier is for apps to interact with each other. Moving on to a marketplace type product, 
these tools will get you started right out of the box. So the first one is softer.io and the second one is bubble.io. And both of these will get you on third base because you can use some of their marketplace templates. And the best examples I'll show you here are Airbnb clones on both platforms. All right, so here I am on softer.io and they've also got a great template library. I'm going to go to one of their examples here, co.live. And this is a marketplace example built right on the platform. And so you can see you've got some houses here that you can click into. Um, you've got a search feature, you've got explore spaces, and you can even go as far as booking uh, a spot on the platform. And that'll take you to like a landing page or Stripe, um, a Stripe powered page to complete the transaction. This is another example using the bubble platform. So again, another marketplace type product, you can see you've got different locations here, you can even create your own listing. Um, and so again, designed beautifully, works perfectly and you're building this from scratch but you can also use a template and get you again on that third base lastly moving on to mobile app development in the no code ecosystem there are two main tools that i've used and the first one is bravo studio and that's bravo studio.app and the other one is glideapps.com the first one which is bravo studio is more of a visual designer so you can use figma or adobe xd to design your app and so what bravo studio does is it connects those elements together to make into actions so um, you're basically leveling up your prototype be a functional product. The other app I've used is called Glide and Glide allows you to create web-based uh, but mobile-friendly apps to do powerful things like create management tracking tools or a conference app um, or a workout app. And I've even seen a template for an Instagram clone. Now let's wrap up with some resources you can use to learn more about building no-code products. So the main resources that I like to use are makerpad.co and nocode.tech. And both of these sites have extensive libraries of content that you can get started from beginner all the way to advanced. And you can see on this screenshot, you can start as, you know, as basic as just creating websites or you can go to building mobile apps. And again, this is all no code, so they've got you covered. And that's gonna wrap today's episode of how to build no code apps. Thanks for listening.